welcome back to another Open Table podcast episode. This is Shame and Being. My name is Aziza Gore, and with me I have my co-host, Sarah Taylor. Heck yeah, she is. Uh, (laughs) Welcome back, guys. Today we're talking about uh, shame in faith. So, uh, put your seatbelts on because it's going to be a doozy. Um, how are you though? Let's talk about that. Tell me. How have you yeah. been? Um, I, very tired, honestly. Oh, yeah. Like, I just had like no energy today. Like, did mm-hmm. the bare minimum. Like, and that's been a about it and that makes me feel kind of like a piece of garbage because I like really like to be productive and yeah yeah but you know this is productive so maybe it will help me <laughs> I think so it is productive <laughs> yes what about you how was how was your day I yes also tired just like um I've been really tired uh this past week I am a medicated woman now um on some antidepressants and so like now i'm just like trying to keep track of how my body's been responding um so so far i've been nauseous um and also just tired so Mm. um that's been my life i had therapy this morning and i was telling my therapist just how overwhelmed i've been um how i feel like sometimes i just like can't catch my breath and she was like you know when you can't catch your breath, that's your body telling you to breathe. And I was like, that's profound, but also like, yeah. <laughs> and so now I'm like trying to breathe. <laughs> yeah. So that's like my, my new thing, breathing. I've not been doing it right. Has anyone ever taught you to breathe? And they're like, breathe with your diaphragm, sit up straight. And you're like, wow, this is the way it's supposed to be. I'm, I'm truly just like not giving my body enough air. Yes, I have had those conversations, and, like, occasionally I'll remember them, and then I'm like, oh, let me. And yeah. then, but then I'm like, I forget. I get stressed, and so you, like, hunch, and you, like, hunch over. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, generally what it is. It's, like, if I could just remember to do all the things that are good for me, I think I would really be, th- like, if I could remember to drink water and just, like, breathe, I think that I could, like, really thrive in a way that I'm not thriving. Mm. Yeah. I will say, though, that, like, as someone who, like, struggles with anxiety and, like, depression and, like, trauma, um, (laughs) it's, like, all the things. Mm. Um, Oh, the trifecta, yes. The trifecta. It's quite, it's quite beautiful. I'm a very, I'm a very morbid person. Anyone who's close to me has a conversation with me knows. Um, But, yes, I think that's, like, that um my my battle with those things has always made like um church context really difficult for me Mm. because I actually had gone to a Christian counselor once and she was telling me that anxiety is a sin and like yeah she was like I know. And as someone, you know what I mean? Like you go in and you're like, yeah, I'm anxious and she's like, let's look in the Bible. It says do not be anxious. That means you're sinning. And I'm like, ah. 
God, it's worse now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a double fat oh. person. No, yeah. That's... I know. I know. Oh. So that just like gets me thinking about like um some of the earliest moments that I've struggled with shame in those like a faith context. Um what's what's yours? Can um, you think back to one? Um, um it's not so much a moment as it was a state of existence. Yeah. But um there was a she's married now, so I guess I shouldn't call her a girl. Um, but growing up we were, you know, we grew up together. She was born three months ahead of me. And she was like the pastor's granddaughter and just like the most like one of the most perfect evangelical Christian like kids growing up, you know, you could have ever mm-hmm. you know. Like, which I don't know how much of that was just her natural demeanor and how much of that was in it being in a family that was heavy, heavy on, like, a certain way of, like, behaving. hmm But, like, growing up in her shadow and just all these moments of feeling like I wasn't quite as faithful and good. Yeah. And, like, I didn't fit the mold for what I was supposed to be like she did. I mean, yeah. even when I sort of fit, I wasn't, didn't fit as good as she did, as well as she did. Um, yeah. And, like, I think I had a lot of shame that just started there. Well, what do you think the differences were? Like, what was it that she, like, what are those traits? Yeah, so, in evangelical Christianity, in my experience, women eat from from the minute you're born and like can talk and have like a personality you're supposed to be kind like very naturally caring and extroverted and Mm -hmm. servants demeanor and posture and kind of quiet but not in that you're not like engaging with people but quiet and that you aren't the one challenging things and asking questions Mm. And that you are supposed to know how to sit prettily and, like, yeah, behave. It, yeah. It's, really, it's hard to explain sometimes. No, yeah, no. I think that's, like, that captures it, behaving. Oh, and the, the idea of, like, not being a challenger. And especially, like, my, my knowledge of you and, like, your, like, love of ac- academics and, like of questioning like i i hear that often where like people who question just like especially women who question just like have really struggled being in like faith spaces like growing up mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it's a whole whole doozy of a thing but yeah what about you when do you have like a memory of like your first time experiencing shame in a religious context um, yeah, I think I, I honestly did church really well, um, like, for a long time, um, and ever, and if I ever, like, asked a question that, like, got a certain pushback, I very easily just, like, did not ask that again, um, and it was because I, 
I think I just really like was like craving approval as a kid and just did not get it from my household. So like getting it from school and getting it from church, like those authorities in my life was just like everything to me. And so I like, just like, like, you know what I mean? They gave me a mold and I was like, I will make it work, you know? And I'm like, I will squeeze into this. And so Mm -hmm. it wasn't until, um, it honestly wasn't until I like got into high school. Um, and I, and I started having like, I had a queer friend in high school and that's, I think, when things started changing for me because now I was, like, face-to-face, like, in in a closer space with someone who my church told me, like, um, was evil, you know, like, who my church mm-hmm. had demonized. Um, and so then, being that close, I was like, he seems pretty normal. You know, I was like, I don't know what you guys thought there like there are no sharp teeth you know what I mean like no claws like yeah I don't see horns or a tail like he seems like honestly like me you know and you know and uh, did not even that I'm queer you know what I mean but like you know back mm-hmm. then thinking I'm like a straight woman and just being like yeah <laughs> I appreciate the contempt of what you were like a straight woman like what like, I why know did I think I, I- I know. No, (laughs) hey, there's nothing wrong with being hetero. All right, but uh, um, I will say it's a little more fun on this side. So, (laughs) like blondes have more fun. I think it's the queers. Um, But yeah, I. It was that. It was that relationship. I think that like made me start to question. Like, not even question, but just like made me start to like. Just like wonder, like why like like I don't really understand why like this person who also cares about people and is also like kind and um funny and he's just human I just don't understand like why he would have to go to hell like I don't like that concept Mm -hmm. just didn't really it didn't make sense to me um and I think that was like really the beginning of when I started questioning um and then like I went to a funeral at one point for a family member who was Muslim and they at the funeral they were talking about how like he was gonna be with God because he believed in one true Allah and you know lived his life accordingly and I remember leaving there thinking that's what my church says, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, it wasn't me. They're like, who's right? And how do we know? And then it was just like this, like, snowball effect of just, like, questions um, that, like, I still, like, like, internally started that process. But, like, externally, I was still just, like, afraid to vocalize that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting the things that trigger shame and the things that trigger questioning. Yeah, for sure. In us. Because, like, this sounds really weird. Even though I had questions and, like, didn't 
just like agree with everything and felt out of place. Mm. I didn't necessarily think that there wasn't a way to reconcile my questions with that place, right? And that church. Right, right. Like, like I was like, oh, I just need to like read my Bible more or like pray. Right, like, right. I just need to find someone like. Like there is an space. answer to this. Right. Right. There yeah. is a way to make this work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I had, because like, I felt like, that like for as long as I could remember but whenever I was like seven or eight which doesn't sound very old but when you've had these feelings before right like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're older when my mom said something to me about um sometimes I don't agree with what your dad wants to do or like decides but he's the head of the household and I have to submit to him and Mm -hmm. like that's like the moment that I knew like I was like I can't ever do that like that was when my collective conscience like stopped trying to reconcile that piece and shifted out yeah and like I think that's a point where I started to I guess wonder if my questions could be answered there but Mm -hmm. I still was very much convinced that they could be for a long time like even with that one piece like yeah hanging out Um, yeah you still hope like you because you don't you don't want to lose your church. And like, whenever you begin that process, at least for me, whenever I began that process of questioning, my intent was never to leave the church Mm -hmm. or like leave my theology. It was just like, you start following this rabbit trail. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, I am not where I was. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you didn't plan for that. And then it happened. I mean, Right. I I don't know at what point you, like, realized you're like, oh, crap, I have to leave. I think for me, I was, like, 13 or 14. I think (laughs) it sounds really weird. When I was, like, 11, I had a a period of time where I was kind of, like, atheist, agnostic, and I was like, yeah, I'm out. And then I had this resurgence of trying to commit. Yeah. And then at, like, 13, 14... I must have been closer to 14. I, like, officially was, like, I have to get out of here. Yeah. Like, this is never going to work. Yeah. I huh. Mine did not start that early. I was just, like, heavily involved in church and youth group and choir, mission trips, like, really up until I graduated high school. I, mm-hmm. like, was always in church leadership. Like, it was until I graduated high school and then I kind of, like, the church stops pouring into you when mm-hmm. you graduate, once you leave youth group, right? It's just kind of like that like 20s area of your life is just, they're just kind of like trying to marry you mm-hmm. off, right? And they're just like sending you to the singles class. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they're like, oh, just throw in with, you know, they're just trying to wipe rough now and get babies and more children for youth group. And gotta you know, make more image bearers for God. More? Oh, God. And so. <laughs> <laughs> now i'm like i don't know if i want kids you know um but yeah so it wasn't until like um my college years that i really started questioning and it wasn't until last summer that i just like dropped the christian label um and so now i don't even identify as a religious person even though i am working for a church um and having a conversation about faith, but like I entered this space where I really wanted to um, 
where I started to believe that God was bigger than, than anything. And my thought was, okay, if God is as big as I think God is, then God has to also exist outside of this box. And what does God look like out there? Um, Mm-hmm. And so I stopped, I stopped. And now I like have entered this space where I feel incredibly connected to, to creation and to like birds and trees and, um, and to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, be- and because I like to see more goodness and like, I've like bought into like the original goodness rather than like, you know, that's yeah. like the whole, a whole thing to unpack. Um, but which, which it's scary though, because like, um, I also want to like reference this article called uh, "Religious Trauma Syndrome" by Dr. Mm-hmm. Marlene Winnell, and in it she talks about how like for most people the church was the one-stop shop for meeting like all of your needs. It was the social support. It gave you meaning. It had these activities. It like fulfilled you emotionally and spiritually, and it gave you this like worldview. And so, when you leave that, you're not just leaving church, right? You're not just leaving this place. You're like you're experiencing so many losses of your community, of your friends, mm-hmm. and then you're entering like you're experiencing this loss while your theology is changing, which is a very sensitive time. And it's like, you know, like your, your foundation is like crumbled beneath you and the people who are supposed to be alongside of you are also embedded within that foundation. So now Mm -hmm. you don't even have support. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people end up experiencing anxiety, depression, grief, anger about like, just like, this whole this whole thing that they didn't even intend to lose right because it's this rabbit trail and you you have people who've built their whole lives in the church right who are going to lose their job and their insurance and potentially their partner and maybe their housing and like people stand and have lost a lot for simply leaning into different beliefs Mm -hmm. and like on the note of, like, support systems and friends, I had this, it's this realization I think I have periodically, but, like, has really hit me in the last few weeks. Like, there's this Ben Rector song. It's called Old Friends. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard it. I like Ben Rector. But um, the song, there's a line in it, and it's, like, it's something like, you'll grow up and you'll make new friends, but there's nothing like old friends, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have old friends. Yeah. Like, because everyone I grew up with tends to not want to associate super closely with me these days. And I don't yeah. really want to associate super closely with them because they're not going to feed into any sort of positivity in my life because they're yeah. not going to let me be different than them. But, like, it's hard. Yeah, it's still hard. To, like, realize that you... Like, your oldest friends are going to be from, like, 14 onward or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's never going to be, you know... And for some people, that's a lot worse, right? People who, like, decide to leave in their 30s, 40s, 50s, like, who all their friends are tied up in the church. Yeah. Like, that's even harder to start over, I would think. Like, I mean, I'm yeah about to be 21, and so, like, you know, that's the significant portion of my life. But if I live to a reasonably expected life expectancy, you know... Yeah. Maybe one day I'll have oldish friends, but 
never going to have friends I grew up with unless they start leaving too. Yeah. And I really do believe that like each of ourselves, um, like our childhood selves still like live in our bodies. And so yes, you don't like, like your current state does not want to associate with them, but like, there's still this, like, there was still a time period where you loved each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? And laughed together. And so it's like, cause I'm in that space now too, where I'm like really like also feeling the, the loss of my Christian community and of people who like had poured into me and who told me they loved me and who took me out for coffee and now <laughs> do not want to associate with me. Um, and that like hurts. Like mm-hmm. even though, you know what I mean? Like there's still, and I think like we, we should really talk more about that and like really like give space to the fact that like, we just want to be wanted. And it, and so it just like, to experience that kind of rejection by people who at one point did want you is very painful. Yes. And people who said that like unconditional love was at the core of who they were. Right. And what they believed. Yeah. Like, and who said, Oh, the church is a hospital for the broken, which is problematic. People are not broken. Like, let me just say that. Like, Mm. Um, you are not born broken. That's BS. Um, yeah. But to have them say something and then practice to be another, mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like a betrayal sometimes because you were really close. Yeah. And they said this Absolutely. thing, and then when you put the thing to the test, it didn't hold. Right. Especially when that thing is is your identity when it's your queer identity when it's your race what you know like like when it's like you trying to embrace womanhood or you trying to embrace this part of yourself and then Mm -hmm. it conflicts with your church and then you know it's just like it's just like deeper because it's like oh we're not just like on different pages of like this this like view it's like no we're on different pages of me like as a as a being mm-hmm. you're like taking the opposite side of me mm-hmm. and it just like speaks into like yeah just like being demonized by the church right and you even then at some points i think you demonize yourself right because yeah, absolutely. you were so indoctrinated and like you were invested like some people want to be like oh you just didn't believe hard enough no Mm-hmm. Like, believed hard enough, just, I couldn't justify it. And the fail-safes are built in, right? Like, mm-hmm. the way theology is structured and, like, that culture is structured, it's so that you gatekeep and police and shame yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, you become toxic unto your own self. And so then yeah. you take steps to try to move forward outside of that life, you're constantly mm-hmm. drained, because you're fighting a war within a body that you were never taught to inhabit. Mm. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Oof. 
that sentence honestly explains like because I think this is just not a conversation that we're having enough of where people will leave a church context or leave church altogether experience this overwhelming sense of loneliness and grief and not in in frustration and not be able to attribute it to the fact of like yes we are taught to in a sense hate ourselves Mm -hmm. as a way to keep us within this fold Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like mind blown just that how oppressive that sounds yeah it's it's this thing that on the other side yeah you start to get this language and see these things and you're like how did I ever like how did I ever justify this like how do people justify this yeah And, and like this is why it hurts so bad right it's like you are yeah becoming the wolf in sheep's clothing you were taught to fear as a child is a difficult process yeah because you're not yeah. actually a wolf in sheep's clothing. But that's what the child in you, to, like, harken back to something you said, is seeing happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, that's such a good point, too. Like, the child in you that's, like, watching you be something that they never thought you were going to be. The way I live my life right now, my 12-year-old self would be shocked. At, not even 12. My 18-year-old self would be shocked. Just, like... Mm-hmm. And I and I'm so content with my worldview and with my theology and with my faith and what I am believing about God and what I believe God believes about me. And yet, there I still have those moments of doubt, right? And those moments where, like, I try to attribute my anxiety and my depression to have like leaving the church. Mm. And I have. I've got, you know, a line of things that, like, explain my, like, mental illness and emotional reactions. And yet, like, there's still that part of me that's, like, you know, this is... Because I had a moment. And when I'm, like, in really dark space, um, one time I had a moment where I was, like, is this... Am I suffering right now because God is trying to tell me something? Is this, like, a consequence of, like, having not been in the church. Yeah. Objectively, I do not believe that. In this moment right, right now, I can tell you, I do not believe that. And yet, in, in like, when I enter that headspace of just, like, suffering, that voice of, like, that's been, like, curated by evangelical space just is, like, this is what happens. Because that's what we're yeah. taught. It's, like, when you yeah. leave the church, this is what happens. Yes. Because God's blessings will fall upon those who follow him well. Right. And his wrath falls upon those who don't. That's what you're right. taught. And yeah. I, but you're protected I by God when you're like in God's right. favor. Even though bad things happen to people in the church all the time. Absolutely. Which then just makes you, oh, I need to believe more. It, it's this whole cycle that fuels so many things in society. Um, yeah. Cough, cough, capitalism. I don't know if I can say that. Because <laughs> um, money is a blessing. Um. <laughs> if you're a partner, please keep uh, donating. 
I do not represent everyone in CCW. I promise. I'm the weird sociology outlier. And no, there are a couple. There are a couple. Okay. (laughs) I'm one of a few sociology outliers, but we believe in generous orthodoxy and everyone can. (laughs) All opinions are welcome at the table, including those of capitalists. Absolutely. Anyway, but I, yeah, I I do the same thing, though, because I'll I'll have these moments where I'll I'll do something that, like, is a sin in evangelical, like, eyes. But, like, for me now, I'm like, this is just life. This is normal. Mm -hmm. And then something bad will happen, and I'm like, oh, God, it's because I did that thing, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it was. I caused this. Yes. And, like, consequence. Right. But... It's not, because here, here, here are things I, like, <laughs> know to be true. I slept terribly when I was an evangelical for the most part, particularly when I started, like, having to, like, exist as a deconstructing person in an evangelical environment. I slept terribly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These days, I sleep relatively well for the most part. You know what else stopped when I deconstructed and reconstructed? Like, these freakish nightmares about Mm. one being left behind in the rapture or two me and my family being nailed to the cross because wow that's intense dude i would wake up like your family yeah like i would have to like watch my family like be nailed to a cross like crosses because that's what you're taught you have to talk you have to pick up your cross and follow jesus and you have to be ready to lay your life down for him and guess what the government is coming and they are going to like persecute the christians and like you better be like all these things fueled this like you know and like sins that i felt like i was harboring this idea that yeah i was gonna get nailed towards i'd have these nightmares it was awful and i i would feel so much shame for like my actions after them and like just they're really complex and deeply like traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. like that were because I was being made to believe in a certain way. Yeah. And, like, because I was so tied up in a, like, a belief and Mm. then was having to, like, exist in that space and hear those things about myself Mm -hmm. while not really believing them at times. And once I got out of that space Mm -hmm. and was able to, like, find out that guess what? Uh, there's Christianity that uh, and faith and belief beyond that and we're not you know you're not gonna rot in hell eternally for uh, having a slightly different take on the Trinity um, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> stop my like my well-being as a human got better mm. in leaving that now I also have weird anxiety and like traumatic things that are different now but like that part is gone mm-hmm. like, because as they talk about in the article leaving religiously insular community that makes you believe a certain way can be super difficult yeah um, but yeah yeah i dude i also had i had nightmares about hell growing up Hmm. I remember it was a very specific one where I was falling and it was just pure black and I was falling Mm. and there was no bottom and 
all I could hear were the screams of people around me. And I remember just being horrified, just like, just genuine horror. Um, which let's talk about that for a second. Why do they talk about hell when we're still in Sunday school? You know what I mean? We're like kids, and they're like, let's talk about this burning place where souls go yeah. for the rest of the afterlife, what? and you yeah. don't want to go here. Make sure you listen to mommy. It's like, why do so many kids have to get, like, fire insurance salvation? Like, oh, don't even get me started on that. You don't want to go to hell? Say this prayer with me. Jesus, come into my heart. Okay, now you're not going to hell anymore. Mm-hmm. How do I know? Did you mean it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you didn't mean it, then you're not. I said, I said the salvation's prayer four times as a child because anytime I would say it, I wasn't sure if I meant it. And so I would do Dude. it again. I would say it, like, every time I could. Like, literally, like, there are two times that I, like, said it and meant it. Yeah. But those two, like, even now I can be like, I'm like, oh, I don't know if those were enough. Like, you know, I better real quick say it again. So I feel you. Because it's, why do we choose to terrorize people and bring fear if Jesus is the Prince of Peace? Like, and if God is love and, Mm. like... Yeah. If these are foundational things of who God is, then right. why are we using tools that are supposedly of the devil if shame and, like, anxiety, if all of that is of the devil, which is dumb, too, like, let's be honest, like, to yeah. frame some things like that, then why are you using them? Right. Like, according to your theology, like, evangelicals, like, why are you borrowing tools from the devil's toolbox to mm. get people to join your group? Right. Like, again. Right. We can sit there and discuss what I actually believe of all of that <laughs> later. But no, yeah, no, it's a really good to... point. It just reminds me of, like, the concept of betrayal. And you mentioned it earlier. Um, but it was also mentioned in that article I was talking about, about the religious trauma. Um, betrayal is, like a pretty consistent um, feeling that ex-believers like, or like people who are like walking away from the church actually experience because it is like this sense Mm of um, the church promises you all of these things, but only Mm -hmm. within this framework, but Mm -hmm. they tell you that it's not just within this framework. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's like phrased as like, Hey, we're like this, uh, except come as you are yada 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 but like oh not like that actually Mm -hmm. you gotta you know take those shoes off put on this coat make sure you you know and it's just like and so in some sense you feel tricked Mm -hmm. and in some senses you feel like robbed of like your your peace of mind right like because you're told all these things about like hell and like fire and brimstone and rapture and demons and i i spent so much of my time like every every sunday my baptist preacher would say the end of times is coming god Mm -hmm. is jesus is almost here i just spent constant anxiety just like waiting for jesus to come back waiting for the second coming feel that feel that they would say but then they'd say no man knows the day or the hour right oh 
So what I would do was every morning I would wake up and I'd be like, Jesus, you're going to come back today. And I'm like, now he can't come back because I just said I knew the day and the hour. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) That's so, I remember having so much anxiety because I was like, I legitimately had the thought. It was like, what if God comes back um, before I get to have sex? Dude, same. <laughs> As someone oh who gosh. was like <laughs> waiting for marriage, I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> Why do we? Oh, no. <laughs> More reasons evangelicals get married real young. I know. Okay. We, gotta, we are on a time <laughs> crunch. Jesus so, is coming. <laughs> real talk. I was at so I gotta event. come. <laughs> <laughs> we can that part out. <laughs> okay, so real talk. I was at an evangelical wedding. <laughs> Um, about a little over a year ago, and the person performing it was the pastor I grew up with. Um, mm-hmm. and he was he's really into the idea of Jesus coming back. He mentions it like every Sunday. <laughs> oh, he, the bride makes it to the end of the aisle, you know, and her dad's got her by the arm, and you know her soon-to-be husband is up there, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Lord, today is a beautiful day for you to come back." Pause. And he like pauses, and he then he's like, like he's like waiting. But then he's like, did he look this? up? I I had my eyes closed and was just like trying <laughs> not to scream. Um, and he's like, but since you've decided not to, you know. And then he like conducts the whole wedding. But like, what? Like Jesus so- would be waiting for that pause. Like, oh, I better, I better peg on my bag, hold up my robe real quick. Like, yeah, I, I was. I think Jesus would definitely interrupt, right? Like, I don't think Jesus is going to, like, wait for you to, like, give him the entrance. He's just going to, like... Yeah. And it wasn't, like, this, like, overly lengthy pause, but it was definitely, like, there was a pause. And I was, like... Yikes. Like... It's just... It's... It's wild how obsessed they are, the evangelical Christianity is, with Jesus coming back, and I actually read something recently, and it was, like, a couple tweets, so, like, don't mm-hmm. go being, like, Sarah did all this research on this, because mm-hmm. um, I, I want to, but, like, I haven't, and it was something to the effect of, if you wonder why evangelical Christians aren't super concerned with, like, starting wars and, like, preventing pandemics and yada, 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 it's because they see it all as coming alongside God and working to bring about the end times and like the return of Jesus. Like they see this as the natural progression of the world. Oh, that is so, I, that's so, I totally forgot about that. Cause that was literally my mindset whenever bad things would happen. Cause I remember my pastor would say, whenever something like, like catastrophic happened, he would say, the end times are coming the end times Mm -hmm. are coming and I remember like things would happen and I would think well it's gonna get worse that's just Mm -hmm. like how it is like that's just what the scripture says God called it already Mm -hmm. that's so so yeah you really don't feel the sense of urgency Mm -hmm. to like reconcile the world that you live in because this is not your home your home is in heaven (laughs) this is temporary this is temporary don't get too attached you know, you know, and New Earth are coming. But the thing is, like, the first command, like, I don't know if it's the first or if it's one of the first, is 
for Adam to take care of the animals in the garden and to name all the things and to steward the land. Mm. Like, absolutely. Just because something's temporary doesn't mean it's not valuable. Doesn't mean you don't invest in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like and- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, say your thing. No, I was just going to ask, like, the question of, like, what would you say to your younger self? Ah. Uh, no, I was just going to... Alice, I thought... One moment. Yeah, go for it. Just because it's temporary doesn't mean you're not supposed to show love towards it and care Mm. towards it. Like, if we want to talk about things Jesus said, you know, love your neighbor. Mm. Like, people move. Your neighbor's probably not your neighbor your whole life, which we know that that statement's generalizable. But, like, I think that that's some sort of level of Jesus saying invest in the things around you and take care of and love the things around you, even if it's not always going to be this way. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of this, this parable. Um, I don't remember it exactly, but it was basically where this um, farmer entrusted three of his servants with money and then he leaves then he comes back um, and two of the servants had multiplied the money that he'd given him. And then one of them had taken it and hidden it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this idea of like, just because something is only going to be under, under your authority for a moment, doesn't mean you don't do something with that. doesn't mean you don't like take it. Cause like also you think about Jesus, Jesus temporary yeah 33 years old Mm -hmm. and still like his whole life was a service Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's just like it's weird to think about yeah and like also the whole you know your body is a temple thing so you should honor it well Mm. it's you know temporary in the sense that you know if you yeah believe as evangelical Jews, you know, your body is just a vessel and one day your spirit will go to heaven. Yeah. Like that's true. Christians are very obsessed with the afterlife. They are. Very into it. Which always I don't know, the afterlife has always been scary to me. Like I think not, that's why oh, I'm sorry, why is it scary? Oh, I was just gonna say like not in the sense that like I was necessarily super like I am, it sounds weird, I was equally afraid of anything eternal. Like, the idea of there being nothing after death is honestly, like, more comforting to me Mm. in a lot of, in some ways, in some days, than the idea of having to fathom an eternity. Mm. Like, in heaven or hell. Like, or in whatever. Like, the idea of, like, not having consciousness before I was born and not having consciousness after I die, like, soothing in a way. I think I'm about to enter existential crisis. Yeah, I... (laughs) Dying is so scary to me. I can't even, like, begin to... I just, like, repress the thought of it. It's just, like, terrifying. 
Yeah. And evangelicals act like they would be like, oh, heaven, you know, you don't have to be afraid of dying because you go to heaven. And I'm like, but that's like this idea of eternity freaks me out. I don't think y'all understand that. Mm. Like, no, it used to be comforting to me. I remember sometimes when life was hard, I would want to die just so that I could be in heaven. That was my thought. I was like, you just got to hold on long enough and you'll be in heaven with Jesus and he'll hold you in his arms. And now <laughs> my like uh, afterlife theology is so like up in the air. I, mm-hmm. I'm not comforted by death. I wouldn't say I'm comforted by death at the moment or anything. I just, I don't really find the idea of eternity super comforting most days. Yeah, I get that. Although I will say, whenever you were talking about the way you pictured heaven, like Jesus holding you close, I don't know if you've seen, but those like pictures of like Jesus, like sitting like on the edge of a well and he's like got a lamb in his lap and like, then there yeah. are the children. I just pictured you as the lamb, just like curled up. In Jesus. Oh, that's <laughs> like, so cute. You know what's crazy? One time I had a dream um, <laughs> that I was like talking to God. And I told God that I wanted to see heaven. And all of a sudden there was all these bright lights and God was like, you can't see it yet. And then I just like woke up. Oh my God. Were yeah. you about to die? Were you were ready <laughs> I don't to- know. I don't know. I might've been. I might you were have, ready. Like, had a heart you- palpitation. And you were ready to go too. You I like- was. I was like, show me. <laughs> I just I imagine you like being like show me Jesus and him showing you and then you like all of a sudden being like actually I want to go get pizza tomorrow with my friend (laughs) actually god I have plans (laughs) and I gotta go (laughs) you're like this is cool like don't get me wrong (laughs) yeah I'm like great work truly um I I'll brb keep yourself busy i'll be back <laughs> it's just gonna be like one day for you it'll be like ten thousand years for me but like yeah oh jeez. oh that verse <laughs> but yes talk to me what would you say to your younger self like who deconstructing sarah oh actually okay real talk hold on i made a tweet about this last night i'm ready just let me pull up my twitter real quick um I didn't even think about the fact that you were going to ask me this question, honestly. Yeah. Like, I know you usually ask me something like this, but I, for whatever reason, just was like, I'm going to just pondering it. And I was like, tweet, 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 tweet. I love ex-evangelical tweets. Oh my gosh, yes. They feed me in a way that nothing else does. Facts. Like, it's people getting it. Like, you don't have to... Explain mm-hmm. it. Like there mm-hmm. are lots of people who, like, whenever I start to talk about growing up in the church I grew up in, and I think a lot of evangelicals experience this. They're like, "Well, why couldn't you just leave? Well, why couldn't you just tell your parents you didn't want to go to church? Like, why, why mm. do you care so much? Like, they don't get it." Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. I am grateful that they don't get it. Yeah. Like. Yeah. But there's something to people just understanding. Trauma bonds are real. <laughs> Facts. Um, so here was the tweet from last night. Things I would tell my younger self. 
You don't deserve to be treated like the enemy. Approval is not everything. Don't stop asking questions. Your body is yours. You are not broken. You are not too much. We get out. Wow. And I'm going to stand by that that's what I would say to young Sarah. I love that. I love that so much. Hmm. Yeah, I think like... Um, I would tell myself that God loves you, Hmm. but like not in the, not love in the way you've been taught, the kind of love that will never make sense to you. The one Hmm. that is, that is truly home. Hmm. And in the moments that you think that you question it the most are the moments that it is it is at its purest. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah. I would tell myself that. I think I I grew up in a very conditionally like love like love was very conditional in my house. And, like, my parents' kindness um, and generosity towards me was very much dependent on, like, the way I was behaving. The same in school spaces, same in church spaces. And so, um, yeah, I would tell myself, even in your rebellion, even in your disconnect, God loves you. And that's, like, a message even now that's, like, very helpful for me to hear. Good stuff. Yeah, I find honestly, like when I, when we talk about like what we would say to our younger selves, I, at least for myself, I find that like it is truly like the, the simple lessons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like grace. Yeah. And it's God those things <laughs> that, yeah. And again, referencing the article again, feeling like, you know, you, were betrayed in your childhood and you didn't get the things you Mm. were supposed to get. Mm -hmm. Like, it's those simple things that I think people who've left the evangelical church are angry that they weren't taught and weren't given. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, there are lots of other things, but the idea of actually being able to give yourself grace and love and, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Those are not... Those are not unreasonable things to ask for right right ultimately though i think that um i do believe that the people are the church and the church doesn't have to be what it was Mm. and i am very much inspired by people like you um leaders in CCW who like I think are pushing are pushing the script of God in a manner that aligns with who God is um 
yeah and I think we just have to like learn to like find spaces that fit for us um yeah I think I think things are happening with the church like and we criticize it but at the end of the day we both have very like have a lot of love for God in like the whole spiritual journey and you know what I mean and so it's like we criticize it because we know its potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only criticize it because I care. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If I if I didn't care, I would just say burn it to the ground, and or I'd just stop talking about it. Yeah. The fact that you and I are vocal and like working for a ministry, mm-hmm. and like this is going out on a platform for that ministry. I, I think that's legitimate proof of like the care yeah for this and like that all of these comments are really rooted in a desire to see the church do less harm and do more good and help people stay in love with god to tie it all to john wesley's three simple rules yes absolutely i mean this is going to be our last episode of shame and being um so i'm like it's a little sad little bittersweet but i'm excited for like people to listen and i'm excited to have like gotten to do this with you a good friend of mine um also you're just like incredibly insightful and easy to talk to so like plus on plus on plus you're (laughs) so easy to talk to and just like an incredible human being in the way you bring wholeness and like empathy and perspective to conversation so just don't make me don't get me teary <laughs> it's the last episode of Ziza <laughs> I know me as well <laughs> um yeah I guess like if there's anything I could say to the person who's listening to this right now it would be that you are welcome in all of your emotion um, and all of your anxiety and all of your grief and all of your joy and light and excitement and being and questions and doubts and all of it, literally all of it. Um, and I just like hope that on your like way to understanding yourself and like finding more of yourself that you would just come to know how whole you are and how good just like is deeply embedded within yourself um so as my wish to you the person listening to my voice (laughs) you have any uh, warm wishes you want to send off i mean just second what you said you're welcome in all the things and all the places don't let anyone tell you that you are anything less than perfection Mm. and that you do not don't let anyone tell you you don't deserve to inhabit a space Mm. to lead something to live your fullest life yes to full lives honestly eat and be merry (laughs) thanks for listening Bye. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>